Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories. From breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings, it's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also really love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at Mumsdays with any of your stories really and, and, you know, how you relate to the episode or even questions that you may want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by Amber Horrocks, who is a writer, a speaker, a coach. I know that you're working with people with chronic illness. Isn't that right? Hi, Amber. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you seem to have so many strings to your bow and I can't wait to learn all about all of that stuff. One of the main reasons we were introduced by um, it's our mutual friend, Claire, Claire Venus, um, is basically because, well, let's say I was having love issues and she basically said, you need to meet Amber because you put yourself on a sex ban. <laughs> is this correct? I did. I'm so honoured that she recommended me. Yeah, um, it'll be three years ago now. I'd come to the end of yet another long-term relationship, um, a five-year one, one where this time we both got on the same page. We both had to talk about our future. We both agreed that we wanted different things um, and, and we parted as friends, which was the complete opposite of how all my other relationships had ever ended. And in that space, I was about two years into a healing journey, healing myself from chronic illness, um, chronic migraine, fibromyalgia, tinnitus, anxiety and depression. So I was already, you know, pretty far down that healing journey path. And I just identified that it was really time to end patterns and behaviours and cycles as I'd already begun to do with the chronic pain, chronic fatigue and now it was time to end the relationship cycles Um, and the only way for me to do that was to quite literally put myself on a sex ban. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah I mean I don't know why Claire thinks this is what I need but yeah I think she might be right you know because I just, you know, since ended, the marriage ended three years ago and I've dated various different people, but I think in many ways when you're dating lots of different people, not that I've been dating loads of people, but when you're seeing other people, it's like a really lovely distraction from what you really should be doing. Um and so yeah the the last guy I was dating it was never gonna work never ever in a million years but part of me was like well I I think I need to do this in order to learn some lessons about myself but absolutely yeah um I mean I hadn't realized until that last breakup kind of 
just over three years ago now that I was actually codependent. Um, I was in these relationships after relationship after relationship, never really being, uh, well, never really being fully wanting to be in them, but not quite realising that the reason that I was in them was out of codependency, was out of distraction, was out of running from myself. Um, and also pretty avoidant in nature. I'd not realised that either until recently. You know, my kind of relationship style is pretty avoidant. What um, does that and it's, mean? Yeah, it really helped. Um, there's this, I think there's like three known attachment styles. There's anxious, avoidant, um, avoidant. Secure. And anxious and secure. I'm now in a secure attachment relationship for the very first time in my life, but that's... That's not how I've been in the past. So for me, avoidant is, um, you know, it sounds a bit brash, but I couldn't really care if they were there or not. I couldn't care less if they were around or they weren't around. But you still wanted them there because you had that codependency. Wow, yeah. that's a head fuck. And an addiction to sex. <laughs> Did you? Because see, this is the thing that I'm wondering now. Like, I've got addictive tendencies. I quit drinking six years ago. Um, wow, that's amazing. But I know that it then went from that into sort of eating disorder territory. So like binging or starving and like managing life in that way. And then coffee for sure, addiction to that. But then I, I, I've heard since that you can also be like codependency is a form of addiction. So being mm -hmm. addicted to drama almost. I was like, because my brother said that to me when I left my husband, he was like, maybe you're addicted to drama and I was like as if why would anybody be but I honestly think I might be because I'm dating it sounds crazy you know like I've shared all those addictions that you've listed there and I've also had to sit with the deep 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 and dark discomfort that I'm also addicted to pain as well you know like and it just logically it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But when we dig a little deeper and really take our healing work that much further. Oh, it's, my yeah, God. So, yeah, I've like the drama about. in relationships is often very much, it's a pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same for all of the things that we'll do, you know, whether it's taking drugs or alcohol. You always get the come down as well and the pain of that. Absolutely, yeah. I've never thought of it like that. So you came to the conclusion that in order to break this codependent cycle, you needed to have a complete sex ban. Did that mean you weren't dating? For me, it did, because the situation I would find myself in personally was that I would meet someone, I would have sex with them, and then nine out of ten times they'd want to see me again, mm -hmm. and I would then become addicted to the sex excuse me and so I would never ever not once did I ever sit and ask myself what I wanted was it right for me what I was looking for I never sat with any of these questions so I would you know essentially go with the first person that came along and that was it and before I would know it I would be in a relationship I can totally relate to that yeah even when like so the last guy I was dating I have talked about him on the podcast a bit the art teacher but we met and he said um, he was dating lots of different people. And so, you know, if, he, if I wanted to continue seeing him, it meant that he was also seeing other people and I had to be okay with that. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm really fucking not. So I met him the next day and I was like, I really like you and I couldn't share you. But then a week later, I was like, oh, but we had great sex and he was really hot and he's really fun and really interesting and all the things I would want from somebody. But he doesn't want kids and I have two. So it was like, I knew it was a bad idea, but I still thought maybe I need to practice being with somebody and like that would help my codependency if I was with him knowing that he was seeing other people that I believe is called addiction to pain (laughs) it was fucking awful oh bless you bless you and it lasted like that for five months we finally became exclusive after five months and then a few months after that I was like oh you know at some point it would be nice if we could go to the beach with my kids or something. And he was like, absolutely not, 100% not something he wants, which, fair play to him, he was always honest and open about what he wanted. Um, and there's also that element in a relationship like that, which I'm sure many many of us and many listeners can identify with, where we're overlooking and sacrificing and putting to one side our needs which are what we want or what's important to us and our values yeah. all in the name of, you know, whatever it is, being with someone, being desired, being wanted, being loved. Yeah, it's a really tricky one. And towards the end, mm-hmm. I, w- I did notice that I was starting to get really anxious and didn't feel safe. And so, yeah, I mean, we try all these things and it's an experiment. It's not a failure. It's just a, a lesson learned. Absolutely. And I really think we need a hell of a paradigm shift there as well. You know, we we come out of a relationship, we see it as a failure, um, as though we've made a massive mistake, as though we've wasted, you know, all this time in our lives. When I think I saw it first on um, Holistic Psychologist, you know, we really need to normalize the endings of relationships. They are not failures. They are, you know, growth experiences something that we can take lessons from, you know, really learn from about what it is that we want, what it is that we don't want, um, and and really normalise the endings of relationships because it is normal. Totally. (laughs) 100%. I think you just have so much to learn. And especially, you know, we get to our, like, if you followed the normal, quote-unquote, progression, you know, you've... You met somebody when you're in your 20s, you married them, you had kids, whatever, and then you split up and you're like, holy shit, I've never actually been single. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. So That was what I found. I mean, I'd, it it was always one boyfriend to another with a, a really small gap in between. So yeah. essentially I'd spent like over two decades of my life never had, having had spent any time single and on my own. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, you know, when I kind of set that sex ban that was the first time that I'd had any time you know real time on my own fully Mm. for me so I'm one month into mine wearing sex ban green I decided this was the right color for this episode what's green in the chakras is it heart heart love yes it's all about love So can you explain what your ground rules were for your sex ban and how long did it last? Um, So I'd come out of that five-year relationship, just to backtrack a little bit, the 
the previous relationship had come out of that I was in for seven years. I knew, I absolutely knew it was just call it what you want. But to me, it was a, an inner knowing that I needed one year to myself, single, um, so that I could really heal from that relationship and heal from the heartbreak and the pain and the upset that that caused. Um, I had the very best of intentions, but I completely ignored that. I was on dating apps. That's the Just thing, it's an addiction. Looking for a little bit of fun. Scrolling apps. Within the first three months. Um, a bit like yourself, I'd broken certain cycles in my life, so I decided with that breakup that I was going to stop taking drugs. But then what that meant was a massive increase in drinking, which was already binge drinking to you know what I thought was the limit um and very heavily every weekend but this was on a whole other level um you know drinking heavily on my own until I passed out and really very depressed um so within three months I was in a new relationship so with the end of that one five years later this time round and the introduction of sex ban because I knew I needed that year from the previous relationship I initially set a term of a year and that's where that came from for me um and really were you know continued the path of healing that I was on and really for the first time healed the heartbreak um from the seven-year relationship that in the end took me a little over a year I think it was nearly a year and a half you know when I could really finally turn around and say you know I feel no kind of like emotional attachment to this guy and this person at all um and yeah, I got a bit of a shock in my life because I ended up being single for two and a half years in the end. I thought it'd be about a year. Um, two and a half. Well, just going with the flow. Um, a big part of my healing journey has been to to go with the flow a little bit more and take it as it comes. Um, I was very clear in terms of my ground rules, no dating, no apps, no looking, um, really spending that time getting clear on what I wanted, what I was looking for, what was important to me. And um, funnily enough, Dave, it was Claire's, Claire Venus' husband. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been working with him for about four and a half years. He's my bodywork therapist and yoga teacher and all-around space holder. And he passed me a book um, called Fierce Medicine, written by Anna Forrest. Now, yeah. she is fucking fierce. I don't know if you've heard of her. Well, I, yeah, well, she's my... Piece. I teach at Forest Yoga, so I've of read... Course you, yeah. you do. Of course you did. So he story. passed me her book. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Um, he he passed me her book, and towards the end of that book is actually um a section on ethics. Um, so whether that's relationships, sex, spiritual, religious, family, you know, whatever it is, there's a section at the end on ethics. And I really sat with that. It was the um first of the three lockdowns I think we're in at the time so I was really fortunate to have been gifted that time and that space um, and I really sat with the ethics and I have brought them here if you'd like me to take you through them and, and read out what I wrote like which is now it was June 2020 so it's just over three years ago I would absolutely love to hear them <laughs> if you don't mind not at all we'll see how it goes here it goes so um, the, the ethics which Interestingly enough, the, the first one that was recommended was relationships. The second one was sex. I saw them as very blurred and mm. sat down and wrote ethics that to, to me were around relationships and sex. Um, and there's four different elements to it. So there's the girl ethics, which are obviously the goals um, of the person that you want to become and give you areas to, to develop on yourself. 
there's the action ethics and obviously of course that's the action that you're going to take towards achieving what it is you desire um, and then there are taproot ethics um, which are I think that's what you've yeah that's so the taproot ethics are to really hone in and check in on the work you've already done to get to where it is that you want to be which I really think is is um, worthwhile kind of honouring um, and recognising and valuing as well and then entrapment ethics which was especially good for me you know what is it that's going to trip me up what's going to stop me from getting to where I want to be you know what's going to hold me oh. back so um, this is kind of what I wrote there and then so girl ethics I mean incidentally I read these out to um, I know we're probably going to come on to it but my partner now uh, who I met just several months ago, I read these out to him last night and he couldn't believe that I'd written something two and a half years before we met and then brought it into life in the way that we have. I've got goosebumps. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. I can't wait. Um, so the girl ethics to align with a true life partner that starts on the basis of a friendship where we discover shared healing, values, goals, beliefs, interests, visions, before we even think about the physical side, which we both know will be great, intimate, fulfilling, a shared and previously unexplored interest in tantric sex, which is an adventure we'll embark on together, mm. an authentic love, unconditional, deep like the ocean. We'll create a life together. Um, and I just wrote a few things down like wild camping, mountain hiking, hiking in the hills, dancing in the kitchen, travel, someone I can learn to hold space for and can do the same for me. We are both loyal and faithful to one another. He really compliments me and grounds me, is supportive beyond measure, loves me even when I go into a dark place or turn to a dark side. Someone I can learn to do this with myself. And like swans, bonded, from life, bonded for life, learning from our successes and our failures. That's mine. Good. Please say. <laughs> That's absolutely and then the action beautiful. Thank you. The action ethics were to have an unwavering trust that this person does exist for me and that I too am exactly the spirit they are seeking. Patience, a slowed down approach to how I usually am. Practice in finding a partner to meet my needs over reacting who shows up first. Move back to Yorkshire, because I was living in the northeast at the time of writing this. Move back to Yorkshire, establish a healing circle, become one with nature, hang out where he hangs out, trust that we will align when good and ready, continue the work, in inverted commas, deepen my healing, spiritual, mental and, and emotional self and being, keep being true to myself, aligning with who I truly am and sharing my gifts with the world that I was always meant to, just as he will be doing. Aww. Absolutely beautiful. Um, thank you. And then the taproot tap ethics. So this was kind of the work that I was already doing behind the scenes. Well on my way like never before, complete role reversal and approach to sex and intimate relationships as a result of all the work I've done so far. All the healing massage therapy, insights, awareness, dreams, journaling have revealed and healed my true, in, in brackets, traumaed, close bracket self, in a way I never thought imaginable. I'm so far down the right path, there's no veering off. It's more a continuation of all the work I'm already doing. 
if I hang out in all the spaces and all the places I want to be and spend most of my time where I want to spend my time, then I am sure to meet him. And I really did. You know, I had that unwavering trust that it just didn't matter that I wasn't on dating sites. It didn't matter that I wasn't going out there all the time in these big groups of people. Like even even Louise Hay, you know, whose work, you know, she wrote the book, You Can Heal Your Life. I deeply admire her work so much. Even she talks about putting yourself out there, getting yourself out in groups, meeting people. But I just really straight, stayed true to me and my own inner knowing that I, if I just kept doing what I was doing and continuing with my own healing work, then, it, you know, it would be inevitable, you know, that alignment um, would have to happen at some point. Mm. Um, and then the entrapment ethics. So this is this is the kind of thing that could have, could have, you know, knocked me sideways or took me off path um you know kind of the beliefs this was what was came, came out of it when I sat with it anyway was the beliefs you know it's not true it doesn't exist you're not good enough you're not worthy you know if you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're on about as if act, acting on loneliness um neediness and desperation I mean I never realized that that was where a lot of um relationships my previous relationships have been born out of you know that neediness that desperation um i guess to be with someone to be loved to be wanted um so yeah no i knew then that acting on that loneliness neediness and desperation um instead of feeding myself and nourishing myself love and attention and taking care of my own needs would be something that would really trip me up or potentially could trip me up totally get that it's funny you say that because when I go on dating apps, the first days a flurry of like, this is really exciting. And then very quickly it turns into that desperation. And I think it's because you're feeding off everybody else's energy. There's like an app energy. I get did what I find mean? one. Oh, yeah, I did. When I went on the dating apps the first and only time round, um, that that was a clear kind of boundary and rule for me that it was going to be a, a, a no, never again, uh, just for me personally. But the first time I really got the impression that it was flooded, you know, with people who really it ought not to be there. You know, it literally is full of broken hearts. I think yeah. there's a, is it a Brian Ferry song where he says loneliness is a crowded room full of broken hearts turned to stone. And I real I never realized at the time that what was being reflected back to me, you know, was myself, you know, yeah. but I really, you know, I just got the impression that um, you know, I know a lot of people that have met happily, happily met on dating website websites, you know, all the dreams have come true, married with children, you know, really happy. So it's not in any way that I'm against it at all. Um, it was just for me, you know, it was just just that, you know, identifying with that sea, if you like, of people that you know it's is it the best place for us I don't know is it Maybe. the healthiest yeah I think I wonder if it's it's just a big mirror and actually you can get from it what you want depending on how you feel so if I go on there being like oh my god please somebody pick me pick me and it doesn't matter how many you have picking you it's never enough that's so true so true okay. I have a friend I've never known anyone connect with so many, you know, good-looking men who have so much going for them, and yet she'll swear blind she never pulls anyone. And yeah. I, I don't know anyone who pulls 
more than she does, you know. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, she'll swear blind that she doesn't, and it's not, you know, like you say, it's not enough. Yeah. So I think a lot of people that I seem to attract were maybe also brokenhearted or a bit like they needed to do more healing themselves. But mm-hmm. like I say, like attracts a like, so maybe that's more because I'm not ready. It's a hell of a way to look at it, isn't it? You know, imagine the change we'd experience if we all started looking at it from that. Yeah. That kind of thinking about the energy of vibration and law of attraction and all that kind of stuff. Like, you have to work really hard, or I personally felt I had to work really hard to raise my vibration before I could go on. Wow. Yeah. Um, And even then, you know, I'd meet really lovely guys and then be like, oh. I'm just not sure. So I think it's at that point that you're like, I'm just not ready. If you can't go date, you know, somebody who's really lovely and would make me feel safe and secure in all the things that would be in my relationship ethics, then I'm just not ready. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, you know, I really did. <clears throat> I really did believe that I would, you know, I'd just be single for a year and then I'd meet the man of my dreams and it'd just all work out so perfectly and wonderful because I was doing the work. Um <clears throat> And as it was approaching, I knew when I got to a year, I, I, it had become clear to me that actually, oh my goodness, I, I do actually can see, I can see that I actually am going to need longer than a year. But as it was coming to two years, I was like, come on already, I'm ready, you know, where are they? You know, I'm ready here now. But it, it connected in the same way that it just has yourself, which is why I brought it up that I realised the higher I was taking my vibration, and the deeper I was taking the work and the more work that I was doing on myself inwardly, that that person was then going to be doing the same. Um, and at the point where I started to identify when I was triggered so that I could communicate that, I then realised that actually, wow, I was going to be meeting someone who then would also be able to identify when they were triggered and we would be able to have conversations around that as opposed to arguments and rifts and things like that Mm. um and it helped me be a lot more patient actually because it was like yes this is what I want I really want the highest vibrational connection um, that I can possibly bring in so that that person is everything that I am looking for and, and likewise me me for them as well was there ever a point where you were like, do you know what? Does it really matter if I meet somebody? Or was it always in mind, like, I'm going to do this band because then I'll be ready to meet the right person? Are you one of these people you know that's what? like, I, got... I need a partner? Or did you get to the point where you're like, actually, I don't need anybody? Yeah, I got to a place where I was like, these times that I'm living now, when I meet someone, you know, I still have, I always have that unwavering, you know, trust and faith. But I was like, when I meet someone, I am never going to get this time back. This time is special. It's precious. It's wonderful. And I want to make the most of it now. I want to be in the present moment. I want to enjoy it. And in the end, I even started dating myself. You know, I started taking myself out on dates. I had a barbecue by myself. Um, I took myself to the cinema, I went on days out exploring, on walks, um, I even got in bed with a tub of Ben and Jerry's one night and we had a real date sesh together and <laughs> I, you know, I really started, <laughs> I really started to embrace, you know, this newfound freedom that I had that I'd never had before where I could do what I wanted and, 
you know, be what I wanted and get to know myself and enjoy spending time with myself. Um, you know, I've, I've always been fortunate that I've always made friends easy. I've always had an abundance of friends, but I never actually realized that the reason that I had so many friends and why so many people wanted to spend so much time with me was because I actually am a really fun person. I'm a really good, loving, wonderful person to be around. And it took me two years, <clears throat> excuse me, two years of my own personal experience to really connect with like, oh, wow, actually, yeah, I am good fun. <laughs> I am, you know, I am pleasurable to be around. This is why I've got so many friends. I want to, I want to make the most of this person for me, for myself, right now. Before someone comes in. Totally, that's lush. I'm going to take her out for a date with me. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it to all. Honestly, I it was the best dating experience of my life. Oh, do you know that happened recently? Where I was meant to be meeting somebody. I don't know, like two or three months ago for a date but I was like let's meet on the beach because I wanted to go for a walk and then he cancelled and I was like I'm gonna go anyway so if you just make Wonderful. sure that you're doing things that you'd want to do even if you're on your own then you're always gonna have the opportunity to date yourself and I went and bought myself an ice cream and I laid on the beach and I went in the sea and it was just really lovely lovely <laughs> So, okay, we found love in the end. How, mm -hmm. so it was a year and a half and then you're like, felt like you'd healed or done what you needed to do. And then it was another year until you actually met somebody. That's right. Now I heard through our mutual friends that maybe you'd done some kind of like accidental spell on yourself. That needed undoing <laughs> that you'd accidentally put yourself in some what's it called when you have to wear something around your waist a chastity belt a chastity belt so um when was it was it i think it was around september last year um a friend or maybe even in the summer but somewhere leading up to there, a friend had come and we were doing card readings and the card came out talking about this contract that I'd set myself under and I immediately knew it was talking about the sex ban. But I was like, I had no idea that I put myself under a contract. I didn't see it like that. And then I reflected and I was like, well, I actually haven't had sex for two and a half years. Me, this person, me, the sex addicted person that I was, that had to be a contract like it had to you know like to two and a half years and I was like wow it actually worked like that's amazing um and then two days later another message came through again like you've got to release this sex bank I was like sex bank contract I was like okay okay I'm listening I'm I'm gonna release this sex bank contract I had no idea I'd like put myself under this kind of so like energy intentionally done it no, well, I I put myself on a sex ban, but I hadn't realised that I'd set a contract with myself okay, that I was you. now going to honour for, like, you know, like what then turned out to be two and a half years. So I was like, okay, okay. So I um I just sat with it for a little bit, and I think in the end I wrote, I, I realised for me that I had to make quite a ritual, like, ceremonial practice out of it, you know, really honour it. Mm -hmm. um, and because I wrote a few words. it had been such a gift as well. Yeah, well, that yeah. That time had been such a gift. It's like you almost need to seriously pay tribute to what you'd learned during that time. 
you've just put it so well because I wouldn't have been able to articulate in the way that you have. You know, these words just came out. And I think from memory, they were along the lines of, you know, expressing gratitude for this time and, and the benefits that it had bought me in that I had actually broken these old patterns of behaviour and, and cycles never to be repeated again. You know, it was huge. And then with that... <clears throat> Um, I think it was uh, a couple was a couple of years ago. I, I actually I learned I did a witchcraft course um, in the third lockdown just to entertain myself, and we got tasked with casting spells. Um, and one of my friends asked me to cast her a love spell, um, and so I did. I'd never done one before in my life, and I cast her a love spell, and I just worked with her a little bit to get her really thinking and connecting with what was really important to her and what was meaningful beyond, you know, someone who earns good money and owns her own house and takes her out to dinner and all the rest of it. I really got her to dig a lot deeper and and buy a picture of, of um, uh, love or a couple or something that would really invite in what she wanted. Um, <clears throat> several months later, she'd never been in a relationship in her life. <clears throat> Excuse me. She'd never been in a relationship in her life. She was in a kind of um, mid to late 30s. Um, all she'd ever wanted was to get married and have children. And several months later, she met someone um, without a photo and um, turned up to meet them. Uh, last year, they moved in together. She fell pregnant quite quickly. He told her he never wanted to get married again because of his first experience. And a few weeks ago, he just proposed to her. So when you say they met without a photo, do you mean it was like a blind date set up thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, in the end, she actually went up to her friends and said, come on, you must know somebody that's suitable for me. <laughs> and they were like, actually, he's been single for quite a long, you know, a while, you know, do it, taking time out for himself. And we do have someone in mind for you. And she was like, I don't want to see a picture. I don't want to hear anything about him. Just set me up on a date. I want to go and meet him for myself in person and, and really oh. get to know him. Yeah. That's amazing. So you did a spell on her. Did you use the spell then on yourself? So when the contract, you know, releasing that contract that I set myself came in and I made that real ritual and ceremonial practice out of it. At the time, when I cast a love spell for my friend, um, it came to my mind that I could do one for me, but it didn't feel energetically, you know, aligned um, already at that time. But once I released the sex ban, contract as it turned out to be um i then realized oh now's the time I'll, I'll i'll cast a love spell for myself um so this was yeah this was around kind of september maybe in approaching october last year um within a few weeks of releasing um releasing um, and letting go of the sex plan to let go of the sex plan so you had a little ceremony did you like burn something did you write something down and burn it did you so I wrote river. a few words. I guess you might say it was a poem. It was just a few words that came to me that were expressing gratitude and being okay. thankful for the benefits that it um, brought along. Um, I probably lit a candle. I laid down on the bed and actually did some meditation around it. Um, and and that was it, really. You know, I just I worked. I you know I didn't follow any specific guidelines okay. or research. I did what I. It, it was the same when it came to casting the spells. It was just what felt right Channels. and what came along at the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I suppose if anybody feels like something is stuck with them, like they've accidentally signed a contract for something, 
they could do that kind of practice, couldn't they? It's like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then meditate on it and maybe burn it or just do something ceremonially so that you energetically feel like, okay, now we're ready for the next bit, which is your beautiful spell that you did, your love spell. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, I believe that we can do that now. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that, but I absolutely, I absolutely believe we can do that. And I mean, here I am and it's worked. So, um, yeah, then into a love spell. And I think I did, I collected like a couple of white feathers, um, coincident you know well maybe coincidentally enough but nothing really is a coincidence is it but my friend had bought me a love spell candle for my birthday that okay. year and I'd not burnt it I'd, I'd like you know like you do just kept it special and I was like right I'll use my love spell candle get some feathers um I wrote a few words which turned into a poem I brought them here if you'd like me to read them to you 100 um, percent yeah and then um yeah I can I um I brought it all together, you know, the candle, the feathers, and the and the um, the words that I'd written, and, and cast my spell. Or really, you could look at it that you were you're setting an intention, you're getting clear on your intention, what it is you really want, what it is you're really ready for. And to me, it's all about communicating that to the universe, so that the universe can meet you halfway and help you bring that in. Um, so yeah, so the love spell. Uh, this was just what I wrote from the heart, really. Cast a shadow of love on me. Fill me from head to toe. Envelope me in your wings of love. I am open to loving freely and without conditions. No setbacks, no limitations, nothing to hold me back. I open myself up to being vulnerable and loving with my whole heart. It's my time now. It's our time true. Calling in all that is meant for me, releasing all that isn't. Melt my fears, heal my heart, mind, body and free my soul. A love that is deeply awakened, ours forevermore. Mine starts with me and yours starts with you, bringing us into alignment and binding us together, and so mote it be. And so after you did that, how long was it until you met your fella? So for me, it was probably about two or three months. Yeah, two or three months. And interestingly enough, when we did get together, he came... To, to my holiday home here where I live in Crowell, which is about 25, 30 minutes from where he lives. Um, and he said, I really feel like you've got me under a spell. And I was like, oh, funny you should mention that. I do. <laughs> I literally yeah. have you under a spell. <laughs> Both of us. Oh, my God, I love it. And could you? did you feel differently afterwards? Were you like, oh. But, but not in a like, right, I'm going to go and on the prowl do you know what I mean uh, that you didn't suddenly go right where's the dating apps you were like no no I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing and trusting yeah I was still for me it was about alignment and, uh, and the energy of it and feeling aligned with with you know where I'd been where I'd come from where I was what I was working towards and just yeah just continuing to sit with ease with that and and trust you know this unwavering trust and inner knowing that when the alignment was there it would happen mm -hmm. um and funnily enough as as the time from the point of doing the love spell to right up to just before I met um my my, my partner uh friends were turning around and saying to me you know clock's ticking amber you're not gonna meet anyone sat at home in your pajamas they're not gonna just come knocking on your door you know and I was kind of like yeah well I think we are so I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing 
That's great because I think some people would be like after the first month, like, oh, it's not fucking worked. It's not worked. (laughs) Where's the dating app? I'm bored. I'm not watching Strictly Come Dancing again on my own. I can't do it. (laughs) You just kept sitting in your pajamas watching Strictly Come Dancing on your own. And did he come and knock on your door? Uh, He didn't quite knock on my door. So just before Christmas last year, um, kind Is of he Santa? <laughs> <laughs> it came down my chimney. It felt like it. <laughs> Sorry. So just before Christmas. I could really take that on another level, but I won't. <laughs> so, oh. so yes, just before Christmas. So, yeah, just before Christmas, one Friday night, true to form, I'd been out for a walk with my neighbour and his dogs. Um, it was, like, tea time, about, like, I don't know, five, six o'clock. I got home. Of course, it was dark, wet, you know, wintry. I put my onesie on. I sat on my I sat on my sofa. It was about half six. Um, and I checked my phone. And my friend, she's actually my beauty therapist, so I see her once a month for, a, you know, a facial and a pedicure and things. Um she'd messaged me a picture of him saying I've shown him your picture he thinks you're really pretty and he'd like to meet for a walk how did she know him so she'd known him for nearly all of her life she was like he is an amazing man um she was a really really close family friend and what had happened is she'd been unbeknown to us unbeknown to either of us she'd been talking to his mum about me for quite some time but his mum had been you know just letting her know that he wasn't ready yet and um my boyfriend actually said he said I don't know what it was that day he'd always been upstairs working from the office upstairs at his mum's um for for a lot well for a big chunk of that year and Ellie our mutual friend was downstairs in the kitchen and he said I don't know what it was that took me downstairs because I'd normally just continue working and I went downstairs um, and Ellie showed me a picture and he said, it's totally out of character for me. But he said, I just turned around and said, is she fit? <laughs> oh. And Ellie had gone, well, actually. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> and she's really nice. Yeah. And she's no longer on a sex ban. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good love story. That's amazing. So you kept the faith. Um, I guess I should probably ask you about all the other stuff you do too. Because <laughs> you have loads of different strings to your bow. So that was like, you know, this is over the last three years you've been through this process. But obviously in addition to not having sex, you've also been working and like doing loads of witchy things. So what's, yeah, what's so kind last... of your main stuff that you do? So last year, because um, I've been on a hell of a healing journey in the last five years, five years ago, I was completely disabled by illness, um, no longer able to function, get out of bed, go to work. I had no mortgage insurance, no sick pay, no immediate family to help. Um, I was told, you know, that there was no hope. I was incurable. There was no point in making any changes and that there was no support available to me at all whatsoever. Um, and that I was just now like, living with the world's second most disabling disease and that was that um luckily for me at the same time i really see it that i had a massive awakening you know i really woke up 
um, to complete disability by illness and for the first time in my life connected with this kind of inner strength, inner power, inner wisdom, um, you know, my own inner knowing and intuition and which really unleashed um, as I term it, like a, a, the warrior within, I didn't, you know, this warrior that I didn't even know was there. Um, and as as part of that, of losing my career, my income, um, I retrained to work in beauty and offer a mobile beauty service purely so that I could work around the illness as and when I could um, and try and keep a roof over my head. I did end up selling my home just so that I could continue prioritising my health above everything um, as I continue to get well and well and well. And last year I moved into a holiday home um, on uh, Seven Lakes Country Park, which is 200 acres of land, beautiful lakes, woodlands. Um, and last, and here I launched Retreat With Me Experiences. So I host Retreat With Me days on a one-to-one -one basis, mainly for um, senior leaders, change makers, business owners, anyone really who's looking into bringing change and transformation. So that might be chronically unwell people as well. Um, and there are three experiences. So there's the bring back the balance, where I really help people kind of, you know, connect back in with themselves, ground themselves, bring back balance into their lives um, uh, through yoga and various practices. And it, an expansive experience, which is a full body work channeling where I channel messages from beginning to end from the body of the client that I'm working with that day. And I'm just about to launch a couples retreat with me day. Couples as in like romantic stuff. Yeah, yeah. So for um, a, a couple who would like to come and join me here for the day and, you know, connect in with each other and so spend the day together. Like, um, and... Not mediator, but just somebody to bear witness to the connection that they need to make with each other. Yeah, yeah. And see where they'd like to take that and what they might like to kind of work on or improve or identify and just bring them together, maybe even help them get clear on what's important to them, what they're wanting and their vision so that they can really work towards that together as a couple. Yeah, bring out the ethics. Yeah, yeah. That's something I haven't been able to do with any previous partner before that I can do now, which is really look to the future and talk about that vision and how we might bring that to, you know, how we're going to, how we plan to bring that to life. Amazing. So I guess to end, I was going to ask you, like, would you have any tips for someone who's because a lot of my audience in like um either going through a breakup or kind of just working out who they are and what they're doing next kind of thing so but specifically for heartbreak since we have been talking about sex bands what would be your tips for i guess processing that and then getting yourself ready for the next stage um, for me, I would really encourage you to take time out, you know, time out to really heal. Um, like I mentioned at the end of the seven-year relationship at the back end of 2014, I knew, you know, I just had this inner knowing that I needed a year. However, I had no idea that you actually can take time out. You can heal a broken part. heart. This is possible. Um, and that is something that I would really encourage and recommend now because that, you know, that is possible. And I do wonder why as a society we are not taking time out to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's not uncommon for us to move from one relationship to another to another. Um, and in that time out, you know, take time out to heal, take time out to be alone, 
you know, speak with a therapist if you feel um, that you need a little bit of extra space holding for you. For me, it was very much the deeper end of the healing by the time I did eventually take the time out. So for me, it was more about the body work and the yoga and um, the deeper healing treatments. But yeah, I think this time will be invaluable for you finding out more about yourself, for connecting with who you truly are and what you want, uh, what you desire, what's important to you, what a relationship means to you even. You know, I don't think we even sit with that necessarily. We have all these ideas of what we think it looks like and what we've been sold, particularly in the fairy tales and the movies. And, um, you know, I think um, it, the harsh reality is that it's none of those things. And actually, we can take that back. We can... We can we can actually sit and assess what it means to us now and what what our idea of a relationship is and looks like. Um, and yeah, and, and doing so will really help you to to break the patterns and, and heal, you know, free yourself from any cycles and behaviours that you no longer wish to sit, keep sitting with and repeating. Um, I would also encourage others to really feel the way through. I mean, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned this year that as human beings, we are capable of feeling pain. You know, we are capable of feeling disappointment. We are capable of that. So let's take that time to really sit with that and feel our way through that. Um, and, you know, share with a friend, a family member, how you're feeling, a therapist, write down how you're feeling, uh, meditate on it, maybe even get involved in a creative project um, or help someone, you know, do something that they really want to do. One of the things that I was called to do, again, going back to the end of the seven-year relationship, was to join a group, you know, a walking group, a running group. I was receiving that message at the time, but I was so numbed out from all the drinking and the eating and the working and feeling depressed um, that I never actually could bring myself to do that at the time. And it would have been one of the most, you know, kind of healing and nourishing things for me to do, really, that would have got me connected to a new you know, a new circle of friends, a new group of people, and who knows where that would have led back then. But yeah, there are a few things I wanted to share with you today. Oh, that's perfect. I feel like I'm doing some of them, so that's really good. Like a big thing for me recently has been getting in the sea. But in doing so, I have made so many new friends, and it's just completely... It's like if you're always moving in this particular circle, you miss everything else. So when you suddenly start trying something new, you're like, whoa all these new connections and connecting with people like completely not for sex <laughs> for all of the other millions of wonderful reasons that you would want to hang out with other people and connect with them and have beautiful non-sex moments <laughs> absolutely and we have such a focus don't we on romantic relationships as though that's the only relationship of significance in our life you know when there are all the friends that we could be making and acquaintances people we work with you know family relationships relationships extend so you know so far beyond the romantic variety yeah absolutely well this has been incredible <laughs> I feel like I've walked away with a much clearer idea of what it is I need to do and why and it is a bit daunting but I think it's the same as when I stopped drinking. It was like, I'm just going to do it as, as an experiment and just see how long I can go, but not put a time limit on it as such. Wow. That's a really good tip. And that's a, a really good way forward because then there's not as much pressure, is there, or expectation. It's just like, 
have a little play around with it you know have a little bit of a fun with it and I have see where six it months is. I thought six months feels like a manageable chunk and then mm. we'll just see how it goes from there because when I got to six months of not drinking I was like I'm not stopping now wow that's I amazing really... <laughs> it's so huge you know to quit drink it's so huge isn't it when we've you know, to, to embark on anything of this nature is huge. And then to have done one huge thing like that, I mean, we're unstoppable, aren't we? You know, we can keep on going and keep on breaking cycles, cycle so. after cycle. Oh. And one of the things with, um, you know, my current boyfriend, when I met him, he said that um, he didn't, he didn't, he knew what he wanted and what he was looking for. He's got really clear on that as well, but he didn't realize that someone like me would exist as in someone like me that's doing the work to the extent that he was doing it. Whereas for me, it was an absolute non-negotiable. It was, you know, it was, com it was utterly essential to find someone who was doing that work to the same extent. Um, but never at any time had I given any thought to what that might be like when I actually did. <laughs> Yeah. you know I just knew it was non-negotiable but then to, to experience it and think wow I hadn't even thought what this would be like it's just like oh mind-blowing love it well thank you so much for sharing so openly and your beautiful spell and all your ethics and just there's so much juicy stuff to take from this to like yeah for the future so really appreciate it thank you Amber you're so welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed it myself. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, then. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. It would be amazing if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me through Instagram at mumsdays or by my website, uh, mumsdays.com. And did you know that I've got a newsletter? So it's the best way to stay in touch and to make sure you don't miss any podcasts or any freebies or competitions that we're running. And again, you can sign up to that through the website.